This particular subject scares people sometimes and other people it excites them. And you might be thinking this is only a small little church at the moment. But there's a reason. I, w- I got up this morning and I was woken up thinking about some things and I've just been really busy the last, last few weeks. And I got been a bit complacent um, with, with my tithe. And I got up and because I, I was just still sitting there in my bank account. Um, and so, you know, I pay my tithe just with internet transfer because I just, I love to do it. For me, it's a, it's a spiritual act. It's, it's worship and it's not, it's not an obligation. It's a joy. And the Lord taught me a while ago that it's very important. But anyway, I got up and I was thinking, oh. And so, I, but as I was thinking, just sitting there in my bed thinking, I remember a story. And um, it happened in this congregation, in this church. And a lot of people will think, oh, the, the tithe. Well, that's just, just how, you know, the church wants to get money out of people. Um, but this happened, this particular thing I'm going to tell you happened in this church. And I don't know how long ago, but it would be more than 20 years ago now. Um, there was a change of leaders up here and another one came up, another guy came up from down Rocky. And um, when things were going along fine. There was, I think, somewhere between 10 and 20 people that used to come regularly you know, into this congregation. And he decided one day without talking or submitting or that he just decided that, that the tithe was no longer applicable, that it was Old Testament, no longer had any place in, in modern, like in New Testament Christianity. And, and so he taught in this place that, you know, don't, don't, don't bother about bringing your tithe, just bring in whatever it is you feel to give. Um, which in some parts of the Christian church is a, you know, it's the way things are done. But did you know that the very next Sunday, no one came, basically shut the church down? No one. Just, just destroyed the congregation. You think, whoa, how did that happen? And uh, talking to John, that's John's, he was senior minister when I was, senior minister in Rockhampton when I was, when he told me this story, another th- exact same thing happened to a, to a church in, in New Zealand. This type of message gets preached and just, it's like as if God just shuts it down. Um, and so I almost think, well, that message was preached in this church. And I'm not sure if the opposite has ever been preached. May have done. Mark, you were here for a few years. But not that it matters. I felt like as if, as part of one of the things that needs to be done, to put, to put things right from the, from the past, to right wrongs, is to preach this message. To preach and look into what does the Bible actually say about the tithe, what are we meant to learn from it? And this is, an, of course, an entirely personal and you know, relational thing that you do between you and the Lord. But the very first place you would go to discover what, what principles might apply would be to the scriptures, of course. So let's, let's quickly do that. And my timer on the thing says I've been going for 53 minutes, which I haven't. So. I'll have to take note of that. 
<laughs> so, let's read this together. This is, you'll find this in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 15. No, verse 12 through 15. It says, when you have finished paying all the tithes of your produce in the third year, which, the year of, which is the year of tithing, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God. I want you to notice this. This is in the law, in Deuteronomy. This is the second reading of the law. And so here you have this statement, then you shall say. So the instruction to the people was there to get up. Once they've done, get, do their, done their giving, they shall say before the Lord, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house. So there's something about the tithe that is sacred. And moreover, I have given it to the Levites, the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow, according to all your command that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was in mourning or removed it, any of it while I was unclean or offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, Israel, and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Can you see in that passage the very fact that the instruction is given there that they're meant to say something? This is a declaration. So it's not just like a tax. It's a declaration. It's an actual spiritual act. Something is actually, you know, transpiring that, that talks about what's going on inside the heart. So, so it's not just pure law. It's something more than just pure law. If it was just pure law, like a, like a tax then why would God say, you know, stand before the Lord, make this declaration, and then it's like as if it releases something for blessing to flow. This statement was made to, to the Lord God Most High, not, not to, you know, some committee who might hand out, you know, funds to, to bless your house. So it's a prayer, it's a declaration. Tithing is spiritual. It's not just... It's not just money going from one place to another, it's an actual spiritual act. It's far more important. And so that's what we said, money is spiritual. Why, why is it spiritual? Well, Jesus said, remember, says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Money has power. If some of you, most of you probably won't be very interested in the share market. Um, tell me if, if it's any different. But I guarantee if, if any one of you got your money, so you got $1,000 or $10,000 and you bought some BHP shares, all of a sudden you'd be interested in BHP shares. Can you see the power of money to shift the heart, to position the heart? It creates interest. So that, that's just a practical way, how it works inside your brain, like it's a trigger, but it's, of course it's much more than that. You know, as I said before, when we're instructed to do something, it makes it, makes it now we're talking about obedience, but, but true, true obedience comes from a, from a willingness of the heart. I'll talk about this a little later. You know, and some, because it was a spiritual act under the law, which this clearly demonstrates, 
God is unchanging. It, it remains a spiritual act. It, it's not just, it's not just you know, a one-dimensional giving of money. Of giving of money. It's, it's multi-dimensional. Um, there's this whole layer of meaning in is when, when, you, when you take something of value and you put it somewhere else, there's a whole layer of meaning that has to do with honour. That's, that's in there. Because you, the only way that you will take something of value and put it there is if you think it's worth it. Otherwise you wouldn't. And so, and this is, you know, we all go, sometimes we don't think we get good value for money, but we go and we exchange money for goods. And so, and then there's another concept that we use in language called, you know, you're going to honour your debt. That means you, you, you pay your debt. So the idea of honouring is to, is to recognise value or to, to, to add weight to. That's actually, if you look into the word, the meaning of the word honour, it has to do with, with the weightiness or the heaviness of something. It, it's of, it has value. It has a presence. It is to be honoured even sometimes a sense of awe associated with it. And so I've said that, I've said that, I've said that, and there's another layer of worship that gets attached. You know, worshipping the Lord. Because you think of the, um, we're not talking about the tithe now, but you think when Jesus was observing the giving in, in the, at the temple, you know, and and one guy comes in and gives us this, all of this wealth. And then the, the widow comes in and gives this, this single coin, this mite. And Jesus says, I tell you, you know, this one has given more than any other. So it's not how much. It's, it's about the heart. Jesus is looking at the heart. And we know that from the scriptures. So, you're going to identify you know, who is who. This is something that's actually really important. You know, who, who is to be honoured, who is to be, to be obeyed. When I was, how old was I? Maybe 12 or 13 years old. There was this interesting thing. I was with my grandfather in Moranbar and he was helping to change some broken louvers and so he went out to the, to the hardware store and bought some louvers, and, but they were a little bit too long. And he had a glass cutter. And um, because it was a fairly delicate operation, he was, I don't know, 60-odd at the time, and my grandfather, it's my mum's dad, he was an interesting individual. He could, sometimes he'd get a little bit cranky. And he would, anyway, I was there, and he wanted me to help him to hold this down because he, he needed to... So he was having trouble, he'd score it, and he only had this pair of mouldy grips. He'd try and break it in only one part of it. So he wanted to be able to get like two bits of mouldy grips or something so he could hold both ends of the little sliver of grass that he needed to break off the end and sort of bend it evenly so it would break all the way through. And he was having, having a bit of trouble because this bit would break off this end and this bit would break off the other end and he still had the bit in the middle. And, and anyway, so I was here. I was necessary for the task. My father comes along and asked me to do something. And my granddad goes, no, you're going to stay here. And here I am, a 12-year-old, between my grandfather and my dad, going, they've both given me an instruction. And I had to go, 
And I remember, I said to my grandfather, I said, Granddad, I know you've asked me to do that, but, but my dad's asked me to do something else, and I, I have to obey my dad. Because he sort of outranks you. I didn't say that. But in terms of the pecking order of who me as a son was to obey, I was to obey my dad first. And then, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll help granddad out. But if my dad comes in, well, it's more important. So I explained this. And my grandfather goes, your dad. And so I asked dad, and he's watching. He knows what's going on. He goes, okay, you help. And then I did what he wanted to do later. The point of the story is that there is a place in our life to recognise who is who and to put them in the right place. And what is it that puts it in the right place? Well, it's the heart. It's the attitude. And out of that comes the behaviour. But sometimes, if the feelings aren't there, the behaviour will put the attitude there. Like going to the gym. It's a bit like that. You know, sometimes you turn up the gym, you go, oh, this is such a... But if you do it for long enough, oh, you start to love it because it has benefits and then it becomes a part of... So lots of things in life are like that. Think about this, you know, who's who? It's actually really imp- in, important that you get, you know, to identify things correctly. Say you're paying a bill online. You know, you put in your account, BSB and account number. It's really important you get them right. Otherwise, you've, yes, you've spent the money, but you've paid it to the wrong place. And so the bill still remains. This is a practical thing. It's a little bit dangerous when you talk about Christian giving and paying bills because they're not actually the same thing. They're not the same thing. Think about thanking or recognising somebody or something. You know, like, it's important that you, you know, recognise the, the right person to thank. You know, if, if I'm standing up here, you know, and let's pick someone. Mark, you mowed the lawn of the church. And I say, oh, thanks, Neil, for mowing my lawn. It doesn't go down very well. I mean, you're a gracious man. You'd probably let it, let it slide, but, but it wouldn't go down very well. That's even worse than not thanking at all. So this identification is actually really important. And believe it or not, the tithe has a whole lot to do with identifying and declaring who's who. That is, who is is Lord God Almighty. Let's read this. This is Genesis 14, chapter 17, verse 24. This is the story about the first time that the concept of the tithe is, is in scriptures. Okay, the the tense with regard to things. After this, we're talking about Abram, after his return from the defeat of, who knows how to say that word, (laughs) Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sever, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. 
And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has everything, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. See, Abram and the kings had been on this, they went on this, this rescue mission, and they went and got this whole lot back and a whole lot of plunder with it. And, um, and so he's talking about the, the people who were captured. You know, one raiding group came in and took, they took a whole bunch of people, wives and children and money and stuff and animals, and, and they stole it. And Abram and these guys went up and they went out and they rescued it back. So it was, it was a, a little war. And so what the king of Sodom is saying, well, just give me the people, uh, but you keep all the, all the wealth. And so what, what, did, what did Abram say? Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take, I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who have went with me. Let Adna Eshkol and Meme take their share. So Abram made this declaration, I'm taking nothing from you. All in the context of the Lord giving the tithe. You know, Abram giving the tithe. And first, we need to think about who was Melchizedek? Now Melchizedek, you know, of course he represented Jesus Christ. Can you see there in the picture, here's a man coming out from Salem, the king of Salem, which became Jerusalem, the city of peace. So you have a man with no beginning, no end, no genealogy, no record of him existing. But he's, he, was, he was there, an identity in history. He came out, comes out from the city of peace, bearing in his hands the bread and the wine. Now, we just had communion, the bread and the wine, from the city of peace. A man without beginning of days or end. This is Jesus. This is a type of Jesus. And what did Abram do? He gave Jesus a tenth of everything. And in that declaration, he was making and identifying who is the Lord Most High, the Most High God, and who is his God. Because he... he didn't look to the king of Sodom for any source or supply. No, only the Lord God most high. It's an act of declaration, an act of identification, an act of submission, an act of worship. And it's a response to a blessing. Melchizedek blessed Abram and he responds. When God blesses us, we too ought to respond. And so Abram gave him a tenth of everything. He identified the Lord. He refused to allow another to take a place of honour. You see that? No way was the king of Sodom going to get any honour or any bragging rights on this particular transaction. It's about the heart. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you tithe a mint, for you tithe mint and dill 
and common and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You ought to have done without neglecting the others. What Jesus is saying here is that, well, yes, you should be tithing because it's in the law, because it's a good thing to do, because it actually is something that is honouring towards God, but it's actually about the heart. It's always been about the heart. And when you look back and you think about what Abram did, it was about his heart. It was, it was a transaction that was quite, quite amazing, actually, in spiritual terms. You know what is often not understood? And you can go and look at, go and open your Bible up to Genesis chapter 14, read through to the end, and then, then the very first verse of Genesis chapter 15 says, basically, and because of these things, there's this, this first phrase is, that, is, is a sense of cause. And in Genesis chapter 15, God makes a covenant with Abram. There had been two promises. The promise given for Abram to leave the land of his mother, of his forefathers, and to go to a land that I will show you. He'd received this promise and Abram picked up his household and he went as someone who was just like a, you know, lived in tents. And then the promise was reiterated again when, when, you know, Abram and Lot separated parts, you know, says, lift up your eyes, you know, every place where you put your feet. Well, this, so Abram had received these promises. This happens. He recognises the Lord God, Most High, as his God. And then the very next chapter, the very next thing that happened, the Bible says because of these things, the whole of chapter 15, the Lord makes a covenant with Abram. It's actually quite profound. You can't tell me that tithing doesn't have an effect here on earth and in time. It's not just giving money. It's a spiritual act. It's a participation in something that is a mystery. It's wonderful. It's an act of worship. It's an act of submission. It's declaring who your God is. And it shifts things. It's beautiful. You know, it's sort of like a, it's a bit of a chicken on the head, egg type of thing, you know. Talk about, you know, habit or heart. Well, it, it's both. I was talking about this before. Sometimes if you've got no heart for something, but you want to do it, or if you develop the habit, the heart will arrive. Going to the gym, eating correctly, reading the Bible, big one. Some people really struggle to read the Bible because they just think, oh, it's not valuable, it takes too long, it's too hard. You start, oh, it becomes a habit, turns into something that is precious. The heart arrives. And, you know, righteousness governs the heart. Righteousness governing the heart. We've been talking about this for months. We could be tempted to think that righteousness is, is all about just, just being not sinning, being acceptable before God. And it is. But why would one choose not to deliberately sin? 
Oh, because of your heart. You know, why do I go out and, not that I do this very often, but if I go out and buy flowers for my wife and I do it of my own volition, the reason why I do it is because I want to be a blessing. I'm responding. Something that comes out of my heart. If my wife demands them from me and I go out and get it, I've done that. I've done the action. But the action becomes meaningless because, it, because it's demanded. This type of thing happens with a lot in spiritual things. It's a, it's a little bit chicken and eggy. You know, which, which one comes first? But they're both true at the same time. The Lord wants us to be obedient. We're talking about the heart. Like, being taxed or being a taxpayer. We all, you know, citizens of this nation, I'm assuming. You know, we work in this nation, we earn money. We have, we get taxed. It's the law. And so, but we can choose to have two different attitudes towards that. One is, I'm being taxed. They're taking money out of my account. Or the other is, oh, I'm a taxpayer. I'm a citizen. I belong. I've been to countries where the internal revenue system doesn't work very well. You know, where for the policeman to feed his family, he, he needs to take bribes. He has to supplement his income because he, he doesn't earn enough. So he, he takes bribes so he can feed his family. And then it snowballs. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. It's human nature. We're actually blessed to have a tax system that, you know, at least works so that our police don't have to be dishonest. But, you know, you could talk about that for a long time. My point is it's about the heart. It's all about attitude. You know, working in a business or running the business, two completely different attitudes. Same work. The attitude's different. You know, in the family, you know, if you go back into the time when the Bibles were written, there was no social security, no dole payment, no, no, no allowance from government at all. Um, if, you, if you didn't have, you know, family, you know, or an income, well, then you were, you were desperately poor. So people would often sell themselves into slavery. That's, and those slaves were, they were owned, it was just, you know, there was a big mixture in history. You know, it was a terrible thing. But it was also how people survived. There was a mix. Sometimes there was a lot of oppression. Sometimes slaves were treated very well. They even been included in inheritance. They become a part of the family, but they're still a slave. The Gospel says that we, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you brothers. We get invited into the household of God. Jesus says that we are co-heirs with him. So we're talking about the heart. Christianity is not about just obeying laws. One of the arguments people have against the tithe is, oh, there's all these things in the law that don't apply to us. You know, it's, it's Old Testament, it doesn't apply. But actually, it's not true. Like that particular argument doesn't hold water. Um, 
The law said do not murder. Are we allowed to murder? Well, no. The standard's actually lifted. Now, Jesus said that if you, if you have hatred in your heart towards a brother, you call him, you know, you fool or something, well, then you're a murderer in your heart. The Bible says do not, the law, do not commit adultery. Can we go around committing adultery? Just because something was included in the law doesn't mean it doesn't apply now. No, because God's unchanging. The reason why he put it in the law is because it's good. It's a good thing to do. It's what we should do. And it's in the law also to demonstrate to us that we actually have no ability in ourselves to not sin. We need the grace of God. We need his help. Adultery, that particular thing, Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, well, you're already an adulterer. Think about the Sabbath. There's in the law. Oh, surely that's passed away. The New Testament says that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. New Testament says that, that, no, that the idea of the Sabbath has not passed away. Now, Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin and we no longer have to do the work of the law to try and get to stand in righteousness before God. Jesus Christ has done it for us so we can rest from our work. Jesus is our Sabbath. And the outworking of that is a, ah, oh, the Sabbath is for me. Jesus serves me. Jesus said this when he and his disciples are walking through the fields picking those grains of heads of grain and they were eating them and the teachers of the law come along and said, ah, oh, you, you're doing what is unlawful to do on the Sabbath. This is working. And he says, ah, oh, no, I am the Lord of the Sabbath and you are not for the Sabbath but the Sabbath is for you. Jesus is for us. It's a higher thing. So too with the tithe. The tithe is for us. The tithe is, a, is something that is beautiful and wonderful, a participation in something that is spiritual and it's, it's a wonderful thing. But these things are discovered by, by revelation, by looking into it, by wanting, by wanting to understand. There's a passage of scripture here that's often used. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 to 14. It says here, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. Another version will say offerings. You are cursed with a curse for robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby, put, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you and pour out, pour down for you a blessing until there is no need for more. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that he will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge? Or of walking in the morning? Can you see those? The reason, normally when people preach this, they, they leave off those last couple of verses. But I want to make the point that it's, it's, 
It's, it's not about the money going into the storehouse, but it is. It's likely the chicken and egg thing because you wouldn't put the money in the storehouse if your heart wasn't in it. Well, you're not going to do it correctly. You might do it resenting. The money's in the storehouse, but it doesn't do you any good. It's all about the heart. And these last couple of verses that I just read there, you know, this is God sulking. He says, your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. And they say, how have we spoken out against you? He says, you have said, it is vain to serve God. And it says, what is the profit? Can you see the selfishness in the heart of these people? They're saying, basically what they're saying in, in our modern language paraphrase is, what is it in it for me to give to you? A self-centred attitude. Well, that's not what... That's not Christian attitude. Christian attitudes is other centres. Christ first. Others first. You yeah? Have the same attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, you know, who, who submitted to God, became obedient even to death on a cross. Another thing, wonderful, universal thing that the world loves and embraces, you know, the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This comes from the Bible. We're meant to be generous of heart. My point in all of this is not is not to talk you into tithing, but, but to challenge you to search out what the scriptures say. To look at the heart. My point also is, from where I, I began, to right a wrong. It was very wrong for that man to get up and preach here all those years ago that the tithe no longer applies. It's basically like saying, you know, your heart's no longer important. And a lot of people don't see it like that. I have learnt in life that your attitude towards the Lord is very, 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 very important. And if, if you if you very easily dismiss the value of Christian giving, the place it has in, in honouring God, then, then that's, a, that's a big problem. Take this for example. Let's, let's turn the question on, on the head, you know. Some people would say, you know, well, well why, 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 are you, why does God ask, why, is, why are you asking so much? Why are you asking to give it all? Just, you know, voluntary giving? Well, it is voluntary. But if you flip the question around and say, from a Christian point of view, why are you seeking to minimise how much you give? It's the same question, just from the other perspective. You know, one is, is you know, why are you asking for that? And you look at it from the other point of view, well, why are you looking to not be a part of this? Why are you looking to not to minimise how much you contribute? Why, why do you want to be, you know, find out and spend energy on finding the, the least amount that you could give? 
you know. There's a joke that used to go around, you know, you know the song, I surrender all. Starts off, all to Jesus, I surrender. And then those who, who play the joke, they go, you know, they change the words, one-tenth to Jesus, I surrender. No, no, we are all for the Lord, all of our life. And the Lord has put this wonderful thing in Scripture, which is principle-driven, it's revelation-driven, it's relationship-driven, it's actually not law-driven. It's, it's because of covenant, did you know? There's a whole other sermon there and I'm not going to preach it. But it's wonderful and it's exciting. Remember I said before, Abram gave a cry, the tithe to Melchizedek. Probably the most perfect or best type of Christ you can find in the scriptures. Christ receives the tithe. Abraham gives that tithe and then God makes a covenant. And then the tithe was written into the law all that time later because there were people under covenant. And it becomes very, very difficult when you start to understand spiritual things to say, oh, the tithe doesn't apply. Guess what? We live under covenant, a new covenant, a better covenant. And Jesus is our Lord of all. When Abraham was on earth, the, there was this, this thing called Hennoism. Or Heno, no, sorry, not Hennoism, Heno, Heno theol, theology, Heno, oh, it doesn't matter. It starts with Heno. Basically, the idea is that they believed that there was lots and lots of gods, you know, like you walk down the aisle and there's lots and lots of breakfast cereals, and you can have your favourite one. You just pick whichever one you want. That was the common belief. And that prevailed for a very long time. It actually wasn't until Elijah started to do the work many, many, many years later, centuries later, where you know he burned all the prophet, you know, the prophets of Baal. You know, he's he's saying that you know this God, Baal, you know, it's, it's really no God. You know, he was mocking him. He said, perhaps, perhaps your God is asleep or he's gone on a holiday. You know, perhaps he's on the toilet. He's not listening. You know, cry louder, cut yourself, or whatever. The point is, it's not a real God. And so in that, in that day, when Abram, you know, gave the tithe to Melchizedek, he gave the tithe to that which represents Christ, the covenant was established, he made a declaration. He made the point, the obvious point, that nobody else, only the Lord God Most High was his God. The Lord made a covenant with him. We live under covenant. These truths apply to us. These truths have power today. They shift things. And so I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to put things right that were said here in the past that were wrong. Because what was said in the past in this place, in the very next week, no one come, the Lord shut it down. That was not a truth that was spoken here. So all these years later, a couple of decades later, we put it right. And it doesn't matter how many people are here, but you're here. Thank God you're here. So I speak this truth, believing that together we can explore more and more and more the joy, the wonderful, wonderful joy 
of Christian giving, of honouring, of loving, of worship. Anyway, as you could see, my time is up. Um, it says an hour and 29 on my clock, but I have to take 50-something minutes off that. So, I will finish. But I will pray a prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you that you first loved us so we could love you. Lord, I thank you that you make room in our hearts for us to respond to you. Lord, I thank you that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can respond to him as a blessing. And Lord, how we respond is to turn from wickedness. Lord, not to do things the way we want them, but have our hearts turn so we long to do things the way you want them. Father, this is the work of your Holy Spirit in us. I ask for your help, Lord, in every area of your life, of our lives. Every area. Lord, the way we think, the way we behave, or that which we value. Lord, because it's what's written on our heart, Lord, that comes out in behaviour, comes out in tone of voice, it comes out, Lord, in our habits. Holy Spirit, come and fill us change us. May our love for Christ, our hunger for your word grow. And Lord, in this I bless Lord, this congregation. I bless this town of Mount Morgan. I bless the region, the body of Christ. May it grow. So Father, I receive from you grace. Lord, I impart a blessing over this town and over this region. In Jesus' name. Amen.